Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Mark Aiken, Deputy Director of the Nursing and Midwifery Health Program Victoria and the Stakeholder Engagement Manager with Nurse and Midwife Support. And I'm a registered nurse. I'm delighted to be collaborating to bring you this podcast with First State Super, Nurses and Midwives Health and Sam Eddy, our podcast guest in health, wellbeing and stress management expert on this important topic of taking your stress temperature as we recognise Are You OK Day and World Suicide Prevention Day. We know working together provides you important tools and strategies to support nurses and midwives and all healthcare workers, as well as your loved ones to take us through this tough period we are all living and working through. Today, we're going to talk about stress and crisis, this very important topic that's paramount for many at the moment. The world has changed so much for so many in a short amount of time. To find ourselves still feeling the impact of the global pandemic while many are anticipating the next bushfire season can feel overwhelming. Many people don't feel okay and they need support. And that's okay. It's okay to not feel okay and reach out for support. So as an acknowledgement of this and in recognition of World Suicide Prevention Day and Are You OK Day, my guest Sam Eddy and I will provide you with information, resources and tips for how to look after yourself, take your stress temperature and check in with a friend, family member or colleague who needs support. Hello and welcome Sam and Are You OK? Hi, Mark. Thank you for asking. And look, it's great to be back with you talking about this and also to collaborate with First State Super and Nurse and Midwife Health, because I've always said, as you probably know, Mark, we've talked a lot about these topics, that the more people that we get talking about resilience and wellbeing, particularly at this time, is really important just because it enables more of us to feel confident when we're talking about this, particularly in the light of Are You OK Day? I have to be honest, I'm feeling the heat at the moment like anyone. I'm sitting in Melbourne. We've been in lockdown for a while. I'm probably pretty fortunate in my circumstances and I like to think I have a good understanding of wellbeing and resilience, but I can't deny the pressure cooker that many people are experiencing when life has changed for many of us over a long period of time, I'm feeling the heat a bit. So I know that reflects in my sleep. Sometimes, you know, you're looking at the news, scrolling for some hope around COVID numbers or whatever it might be. And sometimes you don't get that. So it's always a good reminder in these conversations, particularly just to go, well, you know, how are you feeling and what do we need to do to be focusing on wellbeing? So I'd say overall doing pretty good, Mark, but yeah, it's certainly not immune to all that's going on um, around us at the moment. How are you doing? Thanks very much for sharing that, Sam. Yeah, I'm okay, actually. Uh, I had some sort of weird head virus that's kind of made me feel a bit lightheaded. Uh, I don't think it's COVID-19 because I live in the in the country and pretty much um, live like a recluse at the moment while working from home. So, yeah, missing family, friends and, you know, face-to-face, in-person connections, which has been a big part of my job as I've spread the word about nursing midwife support and the Nursing Midwifery Health Program Victoria for the last almost four years. So, yeah, missing events and conferences and 
looking forward to the world getting back to some semblance of what it used to be in the not too distant future. But in the meantime, we're all doing our bit to support each other as much as we can and at Nurse and Midwife Support and the Nurse and Midwifery Health Program Victoria, we're committed to doing just that. So today's podcast is part of that and we're going to discuss the stress responses and crisis that nurses and midwives being at the front line and indeed other healthcare workers are dealing with at the moment. So Sam, please tell our listeners about your professional background and why you work to support people experiencing challenges related to stress. Sure. Well, I guess I've, I describe myself as a workplace wellbeing educator primarily, but I do a lot of work helping support people from a mental health, wellbeing and resilience perspective. I actually have a background in marketing, in corporate finance, work pretty hard in those environments, both in Melbourne and in the UK where I live for eight years. But I guess early in my career in a competitive world of corporate, competitive corporate world, I should say, I didn't really ever focus on well-being. I was too worried about, you know, getting to the next rung on the corporate ladder. Nothing wrong with that, of course. But I was working hard, playing pretty hard. And that resulted in me experiencing my own experience of burnout. It manifested in anxiety and panic. And whilst it was really tough at the time, I guess it was a really good opportunity for me to slow down and start to embed well-being in my life. And that's when my career actually started to really thrive. It led me to retrain. I completed a psychology master's, helped people from a counselling perspective, from an anxiety and panic and burnout prevention. I've also qualified as a mental health first aider. And so I use a lot of the tools that I use myself to get out of my own personal crisis that a lot of my clients are finding really valuable to help deal with this crisis. I work with a whole range of people, of course, with yourself, Mark, Nurse of Midwife Support, and the Nurse and Midwifery Health Program, Victoria. I work with corporates, banks, professional services firms. I'm doing some work with teachers at the moment. So it's interesting to see how that these tools are applicable across the board, which is good because we know we always have tools and resources available to help us no matter what experience we're in from a career perspective or from a home, home perspective. So hopefully that gives you a bit of a, an understanding about my background and experience. Thanks, Sam. I love the fact that you had your own experience with, um, uh, well, I don't love the fact that that happened to you with anxiety and, um, <laughs> and burnout. In fact, I'm sorry it happened to you, but that you actually turned that experience into a business where you can share your experience and you're very open about that. And I know that connects people. And indeed, it gives often people permission to say themselves, I'm not okay and I need support. And thanks very much for sharing with me how I can get that support. So I think there's a lot of vulnerability in sharing that, but I think that vulnerability often leads to people getting the support that they need. So thanks, Sam. We know the human reactions that we're seeing in response to COVID-19, the current crisis, are really challenging people and that some of the issues are very difficult for people to be living through at the moment. What do you think some of those issues are for people and what our listeners might need to be mindful of in relation to what they're experiencing? Well, it's a good point. And I think it, on some level, it affects us all differently. So I encourage everyone who's listening just to pause and go, well, what, what are my main challenges at the moment? What is my reality? I'm conscious that we may even get people listening outside of Victoria who aren't or in a perhaps a more relaxed state of lockdown than we are here. So your challenges might be different, but often I know through conversations with clients living out of Victoria, 
they've got the anticipatory anxiety they're dealing with, wondering if they will then go into lockdown similar to us. Of course, when we're in lockdown ourselves or some form, we're restricted to seeing loved ones, potentially older relatives that we might be worried about on some level. The constant hypervigilance around the social distancing is taking its toll on people. Of course, it's hard to get away from all the news and the headlines. And we're seeing, obviously, when we go outside, having to wear masks, we're sort of reminded of, of COVID-19. So as we've talked about, Mark, we're kind of all hypervigilant. So our stress temperatures are all raised. And that's combined with the fact that a lot of us are all stuck together at home. There's a lot of homeschooling going on, which is difficult. There's obviously for nurses and midwives, for example, on the front line, going to work and you know exposing yourself to some risk can be difficult for a lot of people. We all have different triggers that affect us depending on our upbringing, our life and what our current role is. So I always say, take some time to write down on a piece of paper, what are your personal ones at home? What are the work ones? Because by pausing just for a few minutes to reflect on it, we're already releasing a bit of tension. Often these challenges build up in the back of our mind. And if we're not dealing with it, they can start to fester into bigger anxieties or worries that we that are harder to then get a handle on. So, you know, it's manifesting in a lot of different ways for a lot of people, obviously access to well-being, um, things that, you did, that we might normally do for our well-being are inhibited a little bit. So we've got to be more creative around then what we do to manage our stress, which I'm sure we'll talk about later in the podcast. Thanks, Sam. That's really useful information. I think establishing your stress foundation and, and pausing to reflect on where you're at at the moment is really important. And I know you talk a lot about this in the work that you do. And you've created a model for, for this, which is take your stress temperature, which I absolutely love. And I know particularly nurses and midwives really connect with it because it's the visual of the thermometer. Could you talk a bit about your model and the establishing your stress foundation? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I can't actually remember how I came up with it in the end. I suspect it's like, like other things, you sort of see it around, but you sort of create the model over time, depending on what's resonating with people. But I like the simplicity of it because we can all relate to the temperature gauge or the, the thermometer as you describe. But I often say, wouldn't it be great if we could all put a thermometer under our tongue when we wake up in the morning and get a sense of where we are on the stress temperature scale. Because if we knew that perhaps we we're in, up in the higher zone, in the red zone, then we would be able to take different action. We might prioritise our well-being. We might slow life down a bit, a bit, as opposed to being not really aware of how we're feeling and how stress is affecting us. And then if we're not aware of it, then of course we can you know, inadvertently compound it. We also know stress is not always bad. So the stress temperature model is really useful to know when it's useful, but also when it becomes problematic. So Mark, I might just talk you through it if that's okay. That would be great, Sam. I'm really looking forward to this discussion. So if you think about the thermometer at the bottom, I call it lovely calm green zone or mindful living. Now mindful living is what I describe as we're just in the moment. So if you're sitting here listening to this podcast, Hopefully you're not worrying about stuff from the past. You're not thinking about all the what ifs from the future, which activates the stress response. So if we are in the moment, it's, our thoughts are a lot slower. This state has a lovely calming effect on the nervous system. So it dampens down the stress response. It has a lot of positive associations with innovation, creativity, 
with immune function working perfectly because we're not in survival mode, digestion working well. So we need to have plenty of time in green zone for our overall health and well-being. I should say, as I'm talking through this model, I like, like to get people to think about where you might be on this scale. Often you might be in green and yellow, or you might be in yellow dipping into orange or red from time to time. So it's good to think, think as I talk it through where you might be. The stress temperature gauge or, the, or your stress temperature is defined as the amount of nervous tension in your system at any one time. So if I go up the scale, it would be nice if we could all be in that mindful living zone. But when we're kind of moving into yellow zone, that's when we might be busy but well. So we might be sleeping okay. We might be doing our exercise, eating pretty well. So we might be feeling the pressures of life, of work, homeschooling, you know, being isolated from loved ones, but we've got plenty of outlets to deal with that tension. So the pressure cooker is not getting to a problematic point. When we've got some energy in the system in yellow zone, it can be really useful to make decisions, to focus, to power through some tasks at work, for example. We do make decisions really well. We're just more decisive. So that would be an example of where stress or a bit of stress or a bit of nervous tension can be useful as long as we're channeling it properly. The problem is, Mark, of course, that for a lot of us, the line between yellow useful stress going into orange and red in terms of problematic stress is hard to find. And we might be getting a lot of messages. We might be getting fatigue. If we're on our feet all day, we might be getting a sore back. We might be getting headaches. We might be getting tired eyes. We might be you know, getting a lot of indicators from our body or we might be getting a bit cranky. So there might be behavioral indicators that our stress temperature is going up. That means we might be heading into red zone. So it's important to think about what are your indicators? What might be moving you out of a state of yellow and into red where stress starts to become problematic? So often when we're getting these indicators, what we do is instead of looking after ourselves or being nice to ourselves or slowing life down, we start to push through. We might take a headache a tablet so we can push through at work. We might grab another cup of coffee. We might, those, that one glass of wine at night might turn into two or three just to be able to cope. So we've got to really be aware of these signs so we, we know if we're dipping or going up into red. Does that make sense so far, Mark? Yeah, that makes perfect sense, Sam. Thank you. And we'll put some information about this model up onto the Nursing Midwifery Health Program Victoria website. So don't worry if we've lost you or you're not quite getting it. We'll explain it further through our content. But please continue, Sam. This is great. No worries. And so, yeah, so it, it, look, of course, if, if stress continues beyond that, we go into anxiety. And then, as in my case, we hit burnout. And so we just have to think about what the signs and symptoms are for ourselves. As I said, it might be physical symptoms of stress, shortness of breath, tightness in the chest, lump in the throat. It might be sweaty palms happening too often, that feeling like you're sick in the stomach. It might be being more withdrawn or not feeling like you're connecting or disengaging with people or not being as organized as you usually are. So these signs and symptoms can be harder to see in ourselves. I often talk about my burnout journey and, and being sort of not aware of my symptoms. I thought going to work with a certain level of nervous tension was normal. So I hadn't realized my stress temperature had hiked up because I was overriding the warning signs from time after time. So this model is really useful for yourself but in the, in the spirit of Are You OK Day, where we're also particularly putting time and attention to looking after others, by connecting with your own symptoms and figuring out where you are on the scale, you're in a more powerful position to identify where others might be as well. 
what you can see in yourself, you can see more clearly in others. So if you're starting to see someone else's stress temperature spike, that might be a reason to have that are you okay conversation. And I'll give you some tips later on about things that you might like to do it. But I always make the point, if you really want to be able to help someone else, you've got to look after your stress temperature first of all, be aware of it, and then start to put in place things that you can do to start to get it back closer to green. So that's probably the essence of the model, if that makes sense, Mark. Yeah, it certainly does, Sam. And I think what we're really talking a lot about here is acknowledgement, acknowledgement of where you're at in relation to your own stress, health and well-being, but also acknowledgement that, as Sam says, that somebody around you may not be in a good space and that there may be an opportunity for you to be able to check in with them. And in fact, we encourage you to do that if you think the time and the place is right and actually tap the person on the shoulder say hey is this a good time for us to have a chat and can I just check that you're okay so simple questions but sometimes not always that simple to ask that question so we'll talk a bit more about that shortly but Sam I think for me it really connects with um, is around the stress that people are finding themselves under at the moment, and particularly healthcare workers working in, as we say, high pressure cooker situations. And what I'm concerned is that people are finding themselves spending too long or being too long in the red zone, in that heightened state of awareness. And it really connects to me as I see this as a big risk factor for heightened stress burnout, or indeed people progressing to mental illness out of mental health. So what would you say would be some of the strategies that people could utilise to ensure that they, one, acknowledge where they're at, but two, put some of their, as you call them, well-being anchors into place so that they can bring themselves back to a healthier stress state? Mm, it's, it's a really good question, Mark. And I guess that's the aim, isn't it? Once we realise that stress is becoming problematic, what do we actually do about it? How do we spend more time out of red or away from red and into green? And I would, I would say that the first thing is to do exactly what we're doing today. Pause, slow down and reflect on where you are on the stress temperature scale. I, I want to say that it's normal for all of us to go into red. And, and I guess the, the, the usefulness of this crisis, even though it's really tough, it means that we can all relate to stress a bit more than perhaps we could outside of this. So it is a lot easier I'm getting feedback from for people to have this conversation because we can all relate to a lot of the things or the challenges that we've already talked about today, Mark. But in terms of wellbeing anchors, and this is just a starting point. So, you know, it's a short conversation, but this is a, a, a starting point to help you figure out how you get closer to green. And the five wellbeing anchors or the areas I focus on are important because if we're doing a little bit of each or at least using a couple regularly, then we can help drop our stress temperature. And the first one is obviously the check-in, as I said before, which we're doing today. The second one is physical anchors. So what are we doing from a physical perspective to look after our bodies? So it might be exercise, going for a run, doing an online yoga class, anything that starts to regulate the body, burn off any excess adrenaline or tension in the system is always can always help how we're thinking, but also ensure we don't have as much worry fuel in the system. It also, we also need to think about diet, what we're putting into our bodies, too much sugar can spike insulin that can cause more stress, too much coffee again can switch our nervous system and stress response on. So being conscious of those physical anchors. So thinking about what you would normally do that perhaps might've dropped off 
or that you could do a bit more of regularly, you know, within the restrictions that we're in to start to focus on your physical anchors. The next one is mind anchors. So what can we do to slow down thinking? Often we might wake up at 3 a.m. and we're in that worry loop. So what tools do we have in place to slow thinking down, to disconnect so that we're not on, you know, mentally speaking at work, we're not on as a parent at home. We've got enough support and downtime to just relax and slow down. It could just be watching a comedy show on TV. Or it might be a more formal practice of meditation and mindfulness, which we're going to get a taste of later in this segment. could be reading a book. Whatever mindful activity helps you slow the thinking down, which again has a lovely calming effect on the nervous system. We need to think about, you know, spirit anchors, the stuff just to have a bit of fun. Often people feel they or feel too guilty to have fun in the middle of a crisis. We need plenty of that. We need to relax and have a, you know, a fun catch up with some friends over Zoom. Whatever you might be doing, it's just sharing a laugh with the kids, playing around as though you're a kid with the kids, whatever it might be for you. We need to ensure that we're lifting our spirits regularly and there's nothing wrong with laughing and having fun, even considering all the global offence. It's really important for our well-being. The other thing I would say is connection. So who are we connecting with, whether it be virtually at the moment or who in our house, it could be colleagues, it might be professional support, the ones that you've mentioned, Mark, or we'll mention again, I'm sure. Who do we have in our network that we can reach out to, depending on where we are on the stress temperature scale? So if we're in red, we might think, okay, well, there's some friends I get on really well with, but they tend to fuel, fuel my anxiety. So I might not catch up with them. It might be a colleague who I always find calming to talk to. It might be another type of friend who really helps us get perspective when we're in red zone. There might be another friend that when you're in green and you want to laugh, that you want to catch up and talk to. So we need to think consciously about who we want to spend time and attention with in order to ensure that we're helping out, helping us drop our stress temperature and being conscious of the choices we're making depending on where we are. If you're in green, for example, you might spend time being creative and problem solving that, that difficult thing you were trying to you know, deal with at work, for example. It's harder to do that if you're in red zone. So we use a combination of the scale, the stress temperature scale, figuring out which colour we're at to then help us use different wellbeing anchors to try and get us much closer to green. Any other thoughts on that, Mark? Anything else I've missed? Because I know that this is something that you focus on a lot for yourself and in your work. Yeah, definitely, Sam. I think you've covered it um, very comprehensively and I know that our listeners will connect with that. I guess for me, I've learned over the years that I need to do more things in my life that nurture me and that actually make my heart sing. So I'm lucky I have a big garden, a three-acre garden in country Victoria, and I have a very strong connection to nature. I know a lot of people do. And part of that for me is exercise because while I'm gardening, while I'm in nature, if I'm hiking or walking the dog, then I'm connecting with nature and that's helping to soothe myself and do the things in my life that make me feel more grounded, but also, as I said, that make my, my heart sing. So I think what you're saying here, Sam, is it's really important to understand what those anchors mean for you and how to incorporate more of those things that reduce your stress and create more well-being in your life. So, Sam, I know that stress is it's a complicated thing to for some people to understand because it's got it's one of those things that's got a physiological and a psychological 
components to it as well for many it's got spiritual components and i love the way you talk about it with your a b c d e model could you explain that a bit for our listeners sam yeah sure the a b c d e model is i think it was a cognitive strategy developed by albert ellis and it's used often in psychology the way i've described it and i actually talk about it a little bit differently now i talk about the unconscious worry loop versus the conscious pathway out of stress. So you might think about a stress trigger and I I encourage everyone to think about a stress trigger. What might it be for you at the moment? So it could be seeing a COVID related story on the news. It might be seeing the numbers go up or down because that, you know, either can, can generate a fear. So anything that generates an adverse reaction, and that's what we talk about with A. So what's the event that generates an adverse response in the body? And we know that with any of these fears that we have, it generates beliefs. So B is for beliefs. You have these beliefs we attach to it. So it might be a, gosh, you know, what if they stop? What if, what if schools can't go back anytime soon? What would that mean? And we have all these worries attached to it. And what happens with A and B? This is all automatically happens in two seconds flat. So we get triggered by a news article. We have these beliefs about it. And then there's an immediate consequence. So that's C. And this is the unconscious loop beginning. And the consequence is we might worry. We might get frustrated. We might be going, going to that worry loop. And we start to get really um, working ourselves up. And, and because this is happening on a subconscious level, it's harder to stop. So that's kind of the first part. And the model says that what we then need to do is bring ourselves into conscious awareness. So we then need to start to being, uh, as I said, being conscious of this so we can make different decisions or choices. So we might challenge. So D is for, you know, making different decisions. We might then start to challenge unhelpful thinking and go, well, hang on, is this really true? Is it not true? We might use our wellbeing anchors to help with that. And then E is for having a different effect. So the effect is that we might make different choices. And I guess my argument with it, with this, is that if we're connected to our stress temperature, and we know all the physical symptoms of stress, we might start to be able to break the worry loop or get out of that unconscious loop and take a different conscious pathway out of that worry cycle. So if we know that when our heart's racing, the adrenaline's surging, it's going to fuel our thinking. It's going to make us believe every thought that we think is true and valid. But my argument is that when our stress response is activated, it's always going to feel like that. So when we have awareness of our stress temperature, if we go, look, I'm in red at the moment, So I know I'm just going to constantly worry. I'm going to put this problem aside until I drop back into green. And I'm just going to carry on gently through it. I'm going to let the mind race if it wants to. I'm going to let it or let the thoughts run. But I'm going to take a different path out of that worry cycle. I'll deal with the problem if there is one when I get back into green. But um, know that when I deal with things when I'm calmer, I'll be able to then resolve the issue much more productively. So it's basically the difference between unconscious thinking and making a conscious decision, not easy at the time, but to start to get out of that worry cycle. Yeah, that's really, really useful information, Sam, because I think what a lot of people are experiencing at the moment is uncertainty that creates fear. And I think that fear is really fueling some behaviours that people are witnessing or experiencing that really put them into the unhealthy red zone of the thermometer. So, you know, we all saw at the beginning of the pandemic a lot of the panic buying. And I know, Sam, you previously talked about about this and the fear response. And I found that really interesting. 
could you put that into a bit of context in relation to this discussion, please? You mean just sort of the fear or what happens when we go into that panic mode, for example? That's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, so we get, we get these thoughts and beliefs and in the heat of the moment, they feel really powerful. So we've all had that dread, that sense of dread, feeling sick in the stomach and perhaps when time has passed, we look back on the event and we go, oh, you know, what was I worried about? And that's because the stress response is activated and it triggers fear. So fear comes in two stages. There's a first stage of fear, which Dr. Claire Weeks talks about, who I reference a lot in my work. The first stage is first fear when we're, you know, we get a stress response that starts to get us involved in that worry loophole I was describing. But the second fear is when we start to then ruminate on it. We start to add all these stories about the events. So we think, oh, um, gee, what if I run out of toilet paper? And then you get a corresponding negative feeling in your body. You might, your heart might race a little. You might feel a bit sick in the stomach. And that tricks you into thinking that there's truth to it. And because you're not aware of what's happening, we then start to follow through on the thinking and go, gee, what if we run out? What would this mean? How will the household cope? I better stock up. And we get lost in the loop. So I don't think people do it deliberately, but they're just not aware of what's happening and why they can't let go of these thoughts because those, because they're adding second fear to the initial fear response. And I guess part of the work we're doing today is trying to bring awareness so we can come in when, once we realize we're triggered and make different, more conscious choices. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you, Sam. It was really interesting as you were speaking before you mentioned um, Dr. Claire Weeks, I picked up her book, which is beside my desk. It's called The Woman Who Cracked the Anxiety Code, because you actually put me onto Claire's work, Sam, and I found it really useful in understanding this, but also my own anxiety or stress in relation to certain life situations. So for those of you who are interested, We'll um, put information about this book up onto the website at the end of the podcast. And I know that you're going to lead us through a mindfulness um, exercise at the end of uh, this podcast, Sam. But you also talk a bit about dropping and sagging, which I find a really useful technique. Are you um, happy to share that at the moment? Yeah, look, well, in the, in the mindfulness exercise, it's a body relaxation. Um, I'll give you a taste of it. So what stress wants us to do, it wants us to tense up. And the stress response does that because it thinks there's danger around. So if we're getting chased by a vicious dog in the street, your nervous system kicks in, it spots the danger and sets blood pumping around your body, the adrenaline surging. So you've got the energy to, for the flight or fight response to kick in. So you can run, turn and fight or freeze and hide. So we kind of want that to happen. But when we start to realize we're reacting to thoughts alone and there is no real danger, or we start to realize that some, a lot of our thoughts are just anxious thoughts, we kind of can learn over time to do the opposite. And so instead of tensing up and getting bluffed by all this fear and, and adrenaline that's surging, we actually do the opposite and relax into it. It can be really hard for people to do at the start, but when I've worked with high anxiety clients, um, they find this technique, and this is a technique I use myself, to be really powerful. We learn to actually do the opposite and sag through any tension. We might slow our thinking down, our thinking down slow our speaking down, walk slow, and just try and call out the, the bluff that, or that, that worry loop that we're in so we can start to move forward gently and then make decisions once we get back to green. 
Thanks, Sam. That's really useful. At um, the Nursing Midwifery Health Program Victoria and indeed Nursing Midwife Support, we talk a lot about the importance of self-care for nurses, midwives and students. But this concept is equally applicable to anyone from any profession or indeed any person listening to this podcast. And what we recommend is that people create their own self-care plan. Because as nurses and midwives particularly, we're very good at creating care plans for the people that we care for, but we're not always good at doing that for ourselves. And I say that if you would do that for somebody else, why, would not you do, why wouldn't you do that for yourself? So we've got a great self-care survey on our website that we'll add the link to at the end of this podcast and a template for a self-care plan. So really have a think about what are the elements that are your health and wellbeing anchors that could form part of your self-care plan. Write them down, print it out or leave it somewhere prominent in your household, on your fridge or, or somewhere else where the whole family can engage with what's important in relation to your self-care so that they then can enable you doing those things that are important to you and help reduce your stress and promote your health and well-being. So have you got anything you'd like to add to that, Sam? Because I know we've talked a lot about this in the, the past and your well-being anchors certainly connect very nicely to this. Look, I think, I think that plan is perfect and I think it, it, it's all about taking time and attention just to focus on, okay, what's my daily routine here? What are the triggers that come up for me day in, day out? There might be bigger pressures, bigger challenges. It's good to clock them too, but it's often the daily ones that get us off track and we need to ensure we've got these non-negotiables of wellbeing anchors in our life because we will get off track. We will go and dip into red, but if we've already committed and formed a habit of going for a run at lunchtime, we've got these mechanisms in place that can kind of bring us back into green and help us get perspective. Whereas if we don't have a plan, it's like anything. If we don't plan for, for work, for business, for you know, our, our own patients, of course, for teachers, for their students, then of course we end up getting caught out and that's the same for ourselves. Thanks, Sam. I also think it's really important right now to connect with kindness. And I think that's kindness around self, but also others. There's um, a bit of a sense that people are frustrated and angry and exhausted and tired at the moment in relation to what people are experiencing. Are there reactions, feelings and emotions that are right that people um, are feeling? Because if that's the way you're feeling, that's how you're feeling. But I think sometimes we need to connect with those feelings but not necessarily act them out, but turn that back into kindness. So what can I... You know, how can I flip that so that I can say something kind rather than something unkind to somebody that I disagree with? Or how can I pay an act of kindness forward? And we're seeing lots of that in the community with people doing some really beautiful and kind things. But also the way I like to live my life is with um, gratitude and just being grateful for what I do have rather than what I don't have. So hopefully you can connect with some of those things and remind yourself that there's a lot in life, even though things are really tough for many people to be grateful for. And that will really connect, I think, to reducing and aiding you to reduce your stress temperature and connect with your wellbeing anchors. Would you like to add anything to that, Sam? 
Well, no, I think it's a great point, Mark. And there is a huge amount of research of the power and the benefit of gratitude and kindness to our overall well-being. I would say it's harder to do it if you're in red zone. So that's okay. So that's when the well-being anchors become the pathway into gratitude. Because if we're using those anchors as a non-negotiable, then we can feel a bit calmer. And when we're in green, we can, it's a lot easier to be then grateful for the things we have because we're more in the present moment. If we're in red zone, it's very hard. So I always say, don't force it if you're in red. If you're in red, go to your well-being anchors and that will get you to a space where you're more likely to go into that gratitude, kindness mode, and then perhaps do all the things that you've just recommended, Mark, which I think are great. Thanks, Sam. So before we move into the last part of the podcast, which is Sam's mindfulness activity that we're going to share with you, I'd like to share some um, supports with you. So if you ask yourself the question, are you okay? And I hope you don't only ask others, you ask yourself then, and your answer is no, then also ask, do you have a supportive friend or colleague you can contact or connect with? Do you have a psychologist or counsellor or doctor or, or other healthcare professionals that you can check in with? And if you don't, then please access one of our services where you could get that information. So you can call the Nursing and Midwifery Health Program Victoria, Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, 9415-7551, or Nurse and Midwife Support, 24-7 National, 1-800-667-877, or indeed you could call Lifeline, available 24-7-131-114 or Beyond Blue 24-7-1300-224-636 or Suicide Callback Service 24-7-1300-659-467. Many people's children are going through a tough time at the moment and if they need support, they can call Kids Helpline one 800 55 1-800. So we'll post those numbers and those details on our website at the end of the podcast. Sam, do you have any final words of wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners before we proceed into the mindfulness activity? Yeah, Mark, I was just going to talk about Are You OK Day and, and sort of reflect what you were saying around having that conversation. So I always try and get yourself and recommend people getting themselves into green mode as much as possible first. Cause if we're running around like headless chooks ourselves, we're really busy, tired, stressed, not looking after ourselves. It's a lot harder to pick up on those signs, those symptoms, behavioral changes with people withdrawing because we're so busy ourselves or in red zone. So the simple answer is to get yourself closer to green as possible. And if you're inhibiting that well-being, that calm, mindfulness type of energy people are more willing going to be willing to open up to you but you're also going to be more more attuned to the signs and symptoms to look out for in others um, i recommend try not to overthink it and and not feel that you have to have all the answers you don't have to ask the question and have to solve all the problem you just might help them find a, a pathway forward so i always in addition to say how you're going just ask that next question how has your week been what's going on for you right now and that might you might get more information about 
things that might be happening. It might just be something, a specific issue that they're already working on and that might, you might go, okay, great, they're on top of it. Um, if they're in a high, if you think they're in red zone and you're worried about them, nothing wrong with being proactive about suggesting they call someone, they um, ask them who they have spoken to in the past and being proactive and suggesting they see someone, nothing wrong with that. Again, you don't have to resolve it. I always ask, get people to think about not needing to save anyone because often we try to jump into solution mode too quickly. Often the person just needs an ear, someone to listen to, and they may know what they need to be doing. So often asking them, you know, what would you normally do to move forward? So I just like to leave people with just a way to move forward, just so they're not sort of feeling stuck in their current spot. So they're kind of some of the things I get people to think about as, about, as well as being aware of all the other help available that you've talked about. So if needed, you know where to point people. Thanks very much, Sam. And just a final acknowledgement of Are You OK, Jay? Are You OK is an organisation, so you can check out information and tips and strategies and resources on their website, which we'll also post as part of this podcast. Thanks very much, Sam. It's been great to talk to you about this really important um, subject once again, and we hope that you've benefited from this. Please share this information with people in your life that you think may need to connect with it. So take care of yourself and each other. Your health matters. And we'll finish now with Sam leading us through a very relaxing mindfulness activity. Thanks, Mark. And thanks, everyone, for listening. And I hope that was of value to you. If you've never done any mindfulness or meditation before, I'm just going to take you through a very short physical relaxation exercise. So I want you all to get comfortable in your chairs at home or at work, wherever you are listening. I'm just gonna slow down the rate of my speech. Just because slowing down the rate of our speech starts to calm down our nervous system. And as you're sitting there, I recommend your feet being flat on the floor. You're back in the back of the chair and just closing your eyes. And as you're sitting there, I just want you to turn your mind to your body and just think about your feet and your toes. Just think about relaxing all the muscles in your feet and your toes. Turning your mind to your calf muscles, perhaps noticing any points of tension. Just letting the muscles in your calf muscles go nice and loose and relaxed. Just thinking about the upper legs, quadriceps and the hamstrings. Often there's a lot of tension in there. Just imagine any tension escaping and letting those muscles go nice and loose and relaxed. If any thoughts come in about challenges or worries, that's okay. Just when you realize, just gently turning the mind back to the body and letting the whole legs go nice and loose and relaxed. Thinking about your stomach and your lower back. Again, another source of tension. 
for people. Just letting the stomach muscles go loose. Back muscles relax. Just letting all the tension in both those centers escape. Again, nothing else you need to be doing right now. Thinking about the chest and the shoulders now. Often we have the shoulders hunched up. Just letting them drop slightly. Just letting the muscles in the chest and the shoulders go nice and loose and relaxed. Turning the mind to the arms. Thinking about the upper arms, the forearms, hands and fingers. Just letting the whole arms go nice and loose. Let them fall loosely by your side or loosely in your lap. Whatever works for you. Just letting all the muscles in the arms and hands go nice and loose and relaxed. Thinking about the neck, head and face now. Just imagining the neck muscles going loose. Imagining the muscles on the scalp letting go and relaxing. Muscles in the forehead letting go. Muscles around the eyes loosening up. Letting the jaw go loose and open slightly. Just letting all the muscles in the neck, head and face go nice and loose and relaxed. Just turning the mind to the whole body now. Letting the whole body sink into the chair. Letting the whole body go nice and loose. And just sagging through any tension. And just for a moment, sitting in silence. Just reconnecting with the body, feet, toes, lower legs, the upper legs, stomach, back, shoulders, arms, hands and fingers, neck, head, facial muscles, just thinking about the conversation we've been having today, the room that you're in, and just when you're ready, opening your eyes.